Two Broke Watch Knobs podcast is an online discussion dedicated to urology and the in-depth coverage, review, and assessment of high-quality, affordable timepieces. There may be instances of strong language, and this podcast is intended for a mature audience. Sit back and enjoy. Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Washdowns. You have made it to episode 85. 85 episodes, Michael. Unbelievable. 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 (laughs) And and we started it out with some uh, really fun technical issues. My electricity exploded here. (laughs) Kind of, sort of. We're getting getting ready to record uh, this week's episode, and and Mike texts me, okay, I'm online, and then two minutes later, and my power's out. I'm like, okay, is that like euphemism? (laughs) Like, nope, just the the power was gone. It is the most beautiful day today also. No bad weather. The 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 chickadees are chirping. <laughs> we are not talking about bird watching again in this episode. <laughs> I had my fill. Yeah, apologies for all the bird talk. Um, last time. That all this fault. means is that we have to do a Patreon episode without explanation. Forty five minutes of us just like reviewing binoculars and bird law. And bird law. <laughs> you you want to go toe toe on bird law, dude? <laughs> <laughs> but here, here, super, super sorry. Got super, super distracted. Um, hi, everyone. Two Book Wash Knobs, episode 85. We have made it. We are getting closer and closer to more milestones. Milestones on, on Instagram, milestones on the website. Website numbers are going really, really well. They're at the highest I've seen in a long time. Um, we are still in the midst. Actually, at the time of you guys hearing this, a winner for the 5,000 follower giveaway will have been selected. Right, and it's not you. And, well, um, it it's not me or or it's not you, Kaz. <laughs> and then it's not Kaz. <laughs> that sucks, man. <laughs> it's not all of you. None of you are winning. Kaz it's is keeping so, the watch. It's so it's so direct. No, 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 no. We're really excited to be working again with the Notice guys, giving away the Notice Trieste. Super, super cool. Um, we're going to Hong Kong soon. We'll talk about that. But this episode is gonna be special we talk about milestones this for you michael i think episode will be kind of um uh, uh, emblematic of a, of a personal milestone but the the overall topic that we're talking about this week and a lot of people a lot of people asked about this topic actually because we posted a lot of these watches um last week it's basically a gmt episode it's a gmt bonanza guys gmt is yeah. coming from the ceilings coming from the vents hide your children <laughs> hide your wives all right <laughs> we've done an affordable dual time and gmt episode before man a long time ago episode 2022 20, i think yeah actually <laughs> still a popular page on the site from what you told me because it, it people, ranks on people google trickle in yeah yeah it ranks on google for like gmt watches under a thousand it's hovering between the first and second page and again i mean for the for the traffic it gets decent engagement without us really because we don't optimize those those podcast pages individual podcast pages very much you know what mm-hmm. i mean so but yeah, that episode was very focused on affordable GMTs and everything like that. This episode, I think, is going to be a lot of fun talking about... Well, this is Michael's episode. I just want to put that out there, guys. I know nothing about this topic. All right. Same here. Yay! Yay! <laughs> You've listened to two book watch knobs. But, um, but uh, so this is going to be pretty fun talking about, I guess, just what the complication, right? History. Um, fun models, right? 
basically. Yeah. Yeah. But before that's, uh, that's about it. That's about it. Before that, though, we have very few traditions on this show. Me having an asthma attack is one of them. And it's happening right now because I'm 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 I haven't been having I've been drinking enough water lately. How do you have the inhaler? I don't know. I'm looking for it right now. Hold on. Uh, <clears throat> I'll be fine. How fragile? How fragile are we as human beings, dude? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. If I get out of bed wrong, I hurt myself. Hurt, <laughs> hurt myself. You know. But here we have. <coughs> oh, I found it. Yeah, grill. I found my inhaler. Right. Very few traditions on the show. God damn it. And one of them is the audio wrist check. And uh, I say we, I say we hold to tradition, and I say we do this very special audio wrist check. Did you want me to go first? You first. All right, you guys have to hear my voice for a little bit longer. But before you do, hold on, I got, I have to engage my, I have to engage my inhaler. Oh, girl, that's so good. It tastes, it tastes disgusting. <laughs> but that first breath of fresh air is really good afterwards. Um, in honor, in honor of the GMT Bonanza episode, I am wearing. The very cool Squala Atmos 30 GMT um, Classic Ceramica, Classica, Classica Ceramica, whatever it is. 42 millimeters, um, really cool black ceramic bezel, sapphire crystal. It is a, I always write it down, I'm, I'm not very versed on EDA movements. If you guys want to talk Vostok calibers, I can talk Vostok calibers with you, but I'm not really well versed in EDA movements. It is the EDA 2893 automatic GMT movement. It has a date function as well. Has a Cyclops on the crystal, which I, I was very weird about because I never really had a watch of the Cyclops before. And I remember you told me in the early days of us just like, in the early days of us just talking about watches, you had, had, had explained the Cyclops was very kind of polemic in like the watch fam and everything like that. So oh, yeah. I wasn't sure how I was going to like it, but I fucking love it. I think it's fantastic. It's so superfluous, but I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's fun to see a number just <laughs> pop out at you when it's done well. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, red GMT hand. Um, it also has this like twenty four hour rotating bezel thingy. So I guess technically I can track three time zones with this, right? Or yeah, yeah, you can. Do you? I don't even. I don't know how. I don't even know how to begin <laughs> the track. I have it. Any time I get my hands on a GMT, I reflexively set it to. I set the main time to East Coast, and I set the, the 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 second time tracking to West Coast, where you are, instinctively. Okay. And so that's where I have it as right now. I don't even know what I would do with the third time zone. You know, you just gotta turn the bezel at this point, and you'll be fine. But like, where does it? Like, where do I? We'll talk about this in the episode. I think. I ho hopefully we can get some <laughs> kind of explanation uh, in regards to <laughs> in regards to how this GMT bezel works. But but yeah, you know. The watch is really cool. My, I, I, this watch is also, you know, as 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 dividing and polemic as the Cyclops is. This watch, I guess, is also quite dividing in that, you know, a lot of people ask the question, is it an homage watch? You know, does it really matter? So on and so forth. Um, with Squale, it's a bit, it's a bit tough to sort of nail it down like that, just because the brand has history. Um, it's not like a like a pop up brand that's just doing fake watches. It's a it's a it's a watch brand with case manufacturing history for a lot of these other like big Swiss brands and everything like that. So, um, to deny that the watch d doesn't look like, I guess, like one of the, I I don't know which 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 Rolex which Rolex does this look like. Someone told me. And I totally just I just totally ignored them. I mean, basically, I would say the the most recent ceramic GMT Master 
<clears throat> without any color on the bezel. Right, right. So to, to so to say it doesn't look like that would feel wrong. It does definitely look at that do look like that, but I don't see this as an homage watch in the same vein as you know some other brands. You know what I mean? So, but I mean I'm pretty right. I'm pretty happy with this thing. I think it's awesome. This at a I should write this write this shit down, dude. I, I fucking hate watches. I just hate they're difficult. I should, I should, I should have been like, a, like some, some kind of ornithologist. Oh my god, we could have started a podcast called Two Horny Ornithologists." Are you kidding me, Michael? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I you. would listen to that show. Oh, Two Horny Ornithologists. That's just so fun to say. Um, this Eta two eight nine three. This is probably one of the smoothest winding movements I've ever handled. And so I don't know if that's just a, a result of squalling. Um, doing things to the movement after they get it from Etta because I've had other Ettas and they wind I mean they wind smooth by movement standards but compared to this the way those other ones wound dude it was it was like I was chewing on like 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 pebbles like gravel like it was very very scratchy but I would I will specify that was those were like 2824s in micro brand movements so I mean maybe this has to do with the whole different grades of Etta movements you know what I'm talking about Right. It, how do you like the ceramic on that bezel, by the way? It's very cool. It's not very practical, in my opinion, because um, it's very shiny. So it's kind of hard for me to see it sometimes. Yeah. It's also very difficult to photograph. But it also just helps me understand that the watch, even though it, it has you know great depth rating and it's really very tough, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's I feel weird calling it a jewelry piece, but... I wear it because it looks cool. You know what I mean? I would have. Yeah. I do prefer um, aluminum inserts, but um, as my only kind of ceramic bezel watch, I think it's pretty cool. I like it. And the size of the watch, having all this like shiny ceramic on there is pretty cool. And I do find myself like petting it, petting the ceramic every now and then. <laughs> petting the watch. Petting, <laughs> petting the watch and just, and just reinforcing its dreams and convictions. You can do it, watch. You can do anything. You're not, you're not no homage, Squalor. You're the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I like the ceramic. The only kind of gripe with this watch, I don't know if it's a gripe or not, or maybe, or maybe I'm just weak and weak in the wrist. But um, the bezel is hard to turn. Um, even compared to the Bulugun Samurai, which I talked about. But I have heard that with some of those Squalor watches. Actually, I heard that can be an issue. Yeah, I'm turning it right now, but I'm definitely expending ninety-five percent of my entire energy reserves on this. I'll say that. My thought was maybe it's because it's a GMT bezel and it's not supposed to rotate as much as you would have like a dive bezel rotate, but I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I haven't I haven't handled any other Esquale, um dive bezels. Uh, I might have, but I might be forgetting. So if I had my hands on your Squale in the past, I'd turn the bezel. I'm not forgetting now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Touch a lot of watches. <laughs> Ooh la Ooh la, la. la right? <laughs> But no, this thing is super cool. I, I I dig it. Happy to have it in the collection. But um, enough about me. Michael, what are you wearing? Well, I think... Um, how long ago was it? We recorded... I think it was... Was it a New Year's uh, time episode where we talked about our goals for watch collecting in 2018? Yes, it was. It was around. That? It was either around the new year or it was around our um, uh, one year special. Uh, okay, okay. One of those. Yeah, a little while. A little while ago, we we recorded that, and you know, I, you said that you were finally going to get the Slava medical uh, that <clears throat> that Russian pulse meter watch, Yo, which is super cool. Love it. 
Um, and I, I said on air that I was going to get the Glycine Airman number one reissue 36 millimeter GMT. Um, I didn't, I said it, but I actually didn't believe it when I said it and because it's been difficult. It's been difficult, but I'm happy to say that, uh, just this past week I got my hands on one and the watch is finally mine. Yes. So that's what I'm wearing today. Hell yes. On behalf of the entire watch family congratulations congratulations yeah. the pain thank you the pain is also over for you we both got the yeah. watches we talked about yeah that that kind of that that blows my mind um <laughs> and i couldn't wait i've I, you know by the time you're hearing this you've already seen the watch on our on our instagram i just i couldn't wait to take a photo of it um and and post it it's so gorgeous people seem yeah people seem to really enjoy it um and i just I still almost don't believe it. And it's weird to say because it's not a terribly desirable watch. It's just very difficult to get. And it's strange that that's the case because it's a very modern watch. It's not vintage. It's not limited. I mean, I suppose it was limited in in the way that it was um, short-lived. Right. Um, I was going to ask, did they just not make a lot of them? You know, we joke about Invicta taking over and like taking everybody out back and shooting them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Tony Soprano style, right? It might not be far from that. I, I, I just feel like a lot of, um, a lot of skews just stopped, um, production mm. and, and this watch kind of disappeared out of nowhere. Uh, it was introduced in 2014 um glycine had actually been in the vintage reissue game before they uh, in researching this piece they actually had a model called the glycine airman 1953 which was limited to 600 pieces you can still find them today for around two thousand bucks um yeah yeah and it was a white dial 42 millimeter reissue of the original glycine airman from 1953 um so it's interesting to see that they were doing the vintage reissue thing for so long and then stopped <laughs> out of nowhere because they're really good at it. And I I didn't realize how <laughs> how good they were until having this watch in hand. Uh, it's the same feeling I get when holding my Doxa. And so interesting. Yeah, yeah. This this watch in terms of historical accuracy really rivals the Doxa uh, sub three hundred black lung that I have. It's just right. 100% on the money. Um, some basics about the watch, if you haven't seen these before. It's a 36 millimeter black dial pilot's watch. But the lug to lug, you know, like a lot of pilot watches, the lugs stick out like completely straight. Um, yeah. The lug to lug is probably close to 47 or 48. Um, okay. And on a 36 millimeter watch, that might sound kind of funny, but it looks really cool if you have the wrist for it. And so I imagine it's a similar effect to what a lot of those um, Nomos models will kind of have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Some of those like Bauhaus designs. Because um, the cases are smaller, but the lugs just stick out like, like vampire fangs. Yeah. You know? It's a 36 millimeter case with uh, 20 millimeter lugs. So the I I have it right now on a on an olive green NATO strap. Beautiful. It looks very summery, very comfy, very cool. Um, I love the way the strap 
contrast with the black dial. And this watch historically has one improvement. I, I at first this was something that upset me, but looking at mm-hmm. it in practice and practicality, um, it's different in the sense that this is not a 24 hour time indication. So the hour hand traverses the dial twice a day as opposed to a um, true 24 hour watch where the hour hand only goes around once in 24 hours. So okay. this watch is a traditional 12 hour um, configuration with a 24 hour GMT hand added to it. So it operates the same way that your Squala does. Um, but it's worth noting that the original Glycine Airman was only a 24 hour display. It can be odd for civilians because at noon, the hour hand is pointing to what we traditionally know as 6 p.m. Six. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo of it right now. <laughs> it's interesting, actually. Well, it's it almost reminds me of those um, 24-hour dial um, Rakata Arctics. Do you ever see those? Yes. Another very cool watch. Very fucking cool. I, I feel like I've texted <laughs> you before uh, asking if those are, like, true dual-time watches. Or are they not? It's a... It, it's a modified 2.6 movement with a 24-hour dial. So my understanding is that it will, that it just, it goes around like once. That's like a whole day. I had to double check right. on that. Um, but that was my understanding. Could totally be wrong. Usually I'm wrong. It's easier that way. You know what I mean? But um, definitely will, you know, I would love to pick one up one day. But I'm looking at a photo of this thing right now. You know what I love about it? 36 millimeters. I can tell by looking at it, it's 36 millimeters. But the balance of sort of, intentionally overstuffing the dial and the bezel and the thickness of the lugs, it looks quite substantial, right? Yeah. Um, the first... It's really cool. The first thing that it reminded me of, funny enough, was an E6B flight computer. Uh, I don't know what that is. So <laughs> we called it the whiz wheel in school. Uh, and and it's, it's basically a very old sort of a slide rule instrument. They call it a computer, but it's just a slide rule instrument instrument that you can use um, during ground school when calculating, you know, your wind correction angle, your, okay. your fuel burn, uh, a lot of different aspects of your flight planning. And it's just a very crowded and cluttered instrument. Um, I'm looking at a picture right now. I can totally see what you're talking about. Yeah. That's so cool. So when I look at the E6B or the whiz wheel and I look at this little Glycine Airman, it's really just packed with information. Um, and and this, it does, it might take some getting used to for some people because there are just so many damn numbers on the dial and the bezel. Um, but once you get the hang of it, it's it's really, really fun. Um, you know, for, for a while, years actually, people were trying to convince me to buy an original Glycine Airman. And I mean, there are some great ones out there, but it's just servicing them, man. It's like, I just didn't want any part of that. <laughs> and that's... Is it, is, it, is, it like, is it like a like a can of worms? Well, to give you an idea, the original Glycine Airman, for example, the way it would hack, you would pull the crown out and it would actuate a little wire that would pop out of the dial and physically just get in the way of the second hand. Oh, oh, no. No, no, no. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> so... So aside aside from <laughs> from the movement, that little mechanism was something that was difficult for people to service, and it, it's 
you know, I've spoken to a few original Airman owners, and they say that they've had a pretty difficult time um, servicing it. I think there's, I think there's like one guy that sells crystals. Also, the crystals are are an issue. Um, that's that's another that's another aspect where this watch is different. The the older ones had a cyclops, like a square cyclops. Uh, oh, this one, okay. this one does it, you know, to just simplify it. Um, and it's not without its issues. The watch is completely polished for the most part. The, really? Yeah. The, oh. the GMT hand that they added is just a very simple polished Perfect. baton. So over the black dial that can get kind of lost in some lighting, mm. but it isn't too bad. <coughs> I see two crowns. What's the uh, three o'clock crown? I'm assuming is just time. What's the four o'clock crown? That's uh, it's interesting that you, that you bring that up. Uh, I almost forgot to talk about that. So the crown at like three thirty, four o'clock, you basically unscrew it a turn and a half, and that unlocks the exterior rotating bezel and allows you to. Whoa. rotate it bi-directionally and when you have it in the spot that you want you twist it back and it has these teeth that clamp down on the coin edge and secure the bezel in that position so it doesn't it's a, move it's a bezel lock i've never seen that yeah. is that like a thing on like vintage watches or is this particular for the airman you think it, it, you know i've only seen it on the airman um some of the older ones for example if you unscrew it all this one has a mechanism that keeps it from unscrewing all the way but from what i understand the older ones you can basically unscrew it until it falls out and people lose I love it people lose those pieces a lot of times as well it's it's so janky but like functional it'd be like if the brakes were broken on my car and i had to like put like a brick in front of my tires so it didn't drive away yeah or like roll away like i don't know like that's what it just reminds me of that's very cool yeah wow um, you know, the, the polished, the polished GMT hand and also the fully polished bi-directional bezel, mm -hmm. it can be difficult to see in some lights, you know, like outside on a sunny day, but, um, you know, it just works. I kind of, but here's, here's the main question. How does it look like from, from thousands of feet up in your Cessna? <laughs> Is it legible up there in the heavens? Haven't tried yet. Haven't tried yet. Okay. You should try. I think you should try on a on a rusty old Piper Cub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know what that is. That sounds potentially sexual. Is it sexual? On, on Piper my, Cub? On my Barnstormer. Um, I know what that is. <laughs> there's a there's a ride here in Disney called Goofy's Barnstormer, and it's him, and it's like it's like this. It's 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 fun. It's very. Cute. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know it it really does look the part. Um, I. We've talked about this before. I don't know what Glycine is thinking or doing these days. Uh, they really had a good thing going. I, I feel like they were ahead of the game when they were doing these these vintage reissues. Um, and there's there's money in it now, so I I, I don't really know oh, what's, yeah. what's happening. You still you go to their site and look. The latest thing on their homepage is Basel World 2017 news <laughs> now. <laughs> that was like the last update. The last update, Obama in office. Like, oh man, these guys are fucking like, Jesus, guys. Yeah. You're a few years behind. Well, the thing is, um, I'm going to fuck this up. Invicta got them. Invicta purchased them two or three years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're making the decisions on sort of their fate. 
my suspicion is that they probably bought the property, tried one or two things in the beginning, and then it just wasn't profitable as quickly as they wanted. And now they're just sitting on the property, not really sure what to do with it, not really sure how to allocate resources to make it profitable. Because at the same time, from their perspective, it's probably a can of fucking worms to try and shift from doing the pieces that Invicta does to trying to empower a brand to sort of leverage Don't History and do the whole vintage reissue thing. Because um, Fossil bought Zodiac. Those new Zodiac pieces are super cool. But I've heard from folks a lot of those new Zodiac pieces have, have issues. You know what I mean? Yeah, they do. But I would say Fossil is much more active in facilitating brand growth, especially the the, the other brands that they've purchased. Um, you know, and what they, are the brands? What are the brands they have? I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, they have a few others. Yeah, they have a few, and they're always they're always updating those movements that they make. So, you know, they, it's a good point. They can test those out. Um, I feel like the issues point. were were more related to the earlier iterations of those STP movements that they did. Oh my god, what a can of worms that fucking STP-1 movement was, man. STP-1-11, first iteration, first wave of those movements that went out. Yeah, those were an issue for what I learned, well, when I learned later, both the Zodiac pieces and um, some micro-brands that, um, that you know, ended up with that with that, with that that watch. But my take on Glycine and Invicta is that it, it Invicta had the opportunity, bought the brand, wasn't as profitable as quickly as they wanted, and now they're just kind of sitting on their hands, not really sure what to do. So I think, Michael, if we if we write down enough different business plans and tie them to bricks and just throw those bricks in Invicta's <laughs> windows, one of them has got to resonate with someone behind a desk in that fucking building. What do you think? There's no one you, in that. There's no one in that you, building. That's the thing. It's an empty room <laughs> with an unplugged fax machine. That's fucking awesome. I'm just, I'm just so glad I have this watch. Finally, I, I you did it. It was, it was funny. I, I, so I purchased the watch from uh, another individual that works in watch media and watch journalism. So I was, um, I wasn't hesitant at all to just pull the trigger right away. And all, all day, you know, he, he made a post on Instagram that he was selling it and just people started like bombarding me with, with the post. And, uh, I was, I was actually walking into, um, to see a movie at the time. Uh, I went to see solo, which was a film that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> that was Michael's review, sans spoilers of the new solo film in theaters. now. And, and uh, you know, I was just like, Hey man, send me the invoice. Bam. Paid it. Uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you knew it was gonna be full of like bees. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very happy with the the purchase. Um, smooth sailing, and I, I, I gotta admit that I, I used to drool over this specific watch in the past. Like, man, like he's he's got one of these. Like, that's so awesome. I can't find them anymore. Um, so that's fake, man. Yeah. I can't remember. Did you say what movement is in there? So it's this is a GMT movement. Um. And it's some kind of solida. I'm I'm not really well oh, well versed okay. in solida movements. It's some kind of solida GMT base. It must be a very small one, just because of the case size. Um, I'm sure it's it's similar to your uh, the one on your Squala in some way. It's not a Flyers GMT where the um, 
<clears throat> where the primary hour hand gets to jump in hour increments. Right. This is a GMT movement where the GMT hand moves in 24 hour increments. Um, okay. So it's fine. Uh, it does the job right now. I'm tracking East Coast time. Uh, and with the bezel, I'm tracking Geneva time just because there are some like press embargoes that I, I, I like to keep watch on. And uh, yeah. you going Hollywood on me, dude? You going Hollywood on me? Tracking Geneva time? <laughs> tracking Geneva time. Well, you know, I'm going to track fucking Bulgaria time on my, on my GMT. <laughs> what is Bulgaria time? Plus or, plus or minus BLT sandwich? What is it? GMT plus 20. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like I like my BLT scale much better. BLT plus four. <laughs> that I fucking I, can, I don't I don't I don't know anything about watches, guys. I want to reiterate that I don't know anything about watches, but that's super cool, man. I I I, <clears throat> I want to talk. I have a I have I have a, a crazy question, not a crazy question, but a question that's burning on my mind um, about GMT complication movement, specific to something that you mentioned within them. But before we do that. Um, should we transition from the risk check to the main topic? Do you feel comfortable doing that? Or I mean, I, I just, just, oh no, just, I just want this on the record. I am, I am immensely happy and proud that you got that watch and that you're no longer, because every now and then, watch fam, I don't think I understand. He would just text me, oh, "Fuck this air van," or like, or something, <laughs> so, just something like, oh, and I'm just like, dude, I don't know what. I wish I could make the pain go away, Michael. I wish I could just make the pain go away. But I don't know what to do. Dude, I was I was like writing a letter to to the, to the company. I was getting ready to like, I don't know, stir the pot in some way, like rattle some cages over there. But I mean, to whom to whom it may concern, please note my modest proposal: <laughs> eat, eat the watches. But no, man, that's super cool. I'm 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 super happy you have it. Now the big question: How long until you flip it? Uh, Do you like flipping watches? Uh, no, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Some <laughs> someone someone said that uh, this this glycine airman with the Doxa sub three hundred and my Speedmaster was just such a cool trio, and I have to agree. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. In, in some weird way, I I think we've always kind of had issues, not issues, but we've we've always been unable to sort of very succinctly articulate what makes up like a like a watch collection that's in, that's kind of like indicative of, of you and your style and your taste but for some reason those three watches that you just named that does it i don't know how but that nails it yeah that they're, nails they're very the, they're very mike watches they're very mike watches <laughs> you know what i mean me me and my broken 30 dollar watches kaz watches all right <laughs> that, that, that 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 beautiful suite of watches you just mentioned that 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 hits it pretty well. No, um, no, it's, we, I, they're Mike watches because it's just black dials and one orange watch. The thing is, they're also they also have a history, but then at the same time, they're still just a really fun, you know, just a function aspect of them. They just the the pieces themselves by themselves tell a story. Like someone yeah. could see that watch and just be like, "Dude, what's the story with this thing?" That's what we talked about with the the docs are doing. Yeah. I can still, I can totally see the airman doing that. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Super, super, super happy. Um, Let me look at my list here. There are a few items I want to talk about, but I will bring this up at the end of the show because I want to ride, I want to ride this GMT wave until it throws me down on the Coralie Ocean floor and they find my corpse torn and ripped and bloated on the, on the, on the shore. Let's talk about GMT watches. Don't talk about GMT watches. I'm yeah. not talking about GMT watches. Do you want to talk about your question? First, my question is: 
you said that your GMT watch is like mine and that the GMT hand is the one that moves independently. Several times people have told me that a true GMT watch is the one where the hour hand of the hour and minute hand, the hour hand moves without interrupting the time and anything else. Correct? Correct. I... What fucking watch does that? Because I don't know any watch that actually does that. If it's just one watch and if it's a stupid Rolex, I don't count that. No, there there are watches that do that. I mean, a Rolex okay. is, is a fine example because of the 31. Um, I think right now they're on the 3187 movement. The reason, and I think true is a very strong word. I disagree with that word. The reason people are inclined to call those true GMT watches is because if you're, you know, if you're flying the big bus in the sky and you're, <laughs> and you're constantly, you know, and you're constantly going from from one place to another. It is convenient to use the twenty four hour hand to keep track of home, and constantly shift the central hour hand um, to reflect your local time when you land at the garbage or um, you know LAX or whatever. It's really just. I when I lived in New York, I hated landing in LaGuardia. Nothing was more of a of a dead sentence to me yeah. than landing in that airport. Pilots hate landing at LaGuardia, and controllers hate controlling at LaGuardia. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Everybody hates it. Um, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I I think that's I think that's the reason people choose to use the word true GMT. But really, I'm not changing time zones too many times a week. Uh, you know and I've really just set this once since I've had it and whatever, that's fine. If I need to, if you need to change um, one of the time zones that you're referencing quickly anyways, and you don't have a quote unquote true GMT watch, just use the bezel really quickly. It's actually more practical <laughs> to do like, yeah, we've, we've talked about that on the show. It's just easy to use the bezel sometimes, you know? So, and that's something you can do with your Squala really quickly. Um, honestly, if we want to get into the history uh, the first, so the first uh, GMT Master, for example, introduced by Rolex at Basel World 1954, was the reference 6542. Um, the funny thing about that watch, uh, it was powered by the caliber 1036, and the GMT, the 24-hour GMT hand on that watch was just another hand that they attached to the main uh, gear train at half speed. Right. So, um, you couldn't move it. You just had to move the bezel. So, are you going to call the six five four two not a true GMT? Wait, if you couldn't move it, how could you set it? Uh, you just didn't. You used the bezel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. So it's funny. It, it's it was a complication that wasn't a complication. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would I would caution against using terms like true GMT. I, I would call it a flyer's GMT, you know? I like that because that, the, the idea that you explained, and you explained it very well, the idea of someone calling a true GMT would be to sort of evoke that jet setter pilot function. Yeah. You which can is not find, relevant. You can find utility in, in either type, whether it's something like this glycine or your squalor or something with a caliber 3187, uh, which is a, clarify, a really nice GMT movement. Just just to clarify, it's pronounced squail. Squail. Yeah, squail. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Who who do you think was the the target market for that first? Would you say um 1036 caliber GMT Master over uh, what was it 1030 something 1034? So it's interesting. If we want to talk about the um the dawn of the GMT, it really did it really did come about um during the turn of commercial air travel. We were getting into the jet age in the early fifties. Okay. So um, all of this was happening around the time that we saw planes like the Douglas DC-7, which was the, I think this was, this was the last big Douglas aircraft before, or around the introduction of the de Havilland Comet, which was like one of the first big jet airliners that really changed the way that we traveled between continents. Um, So all of this was going on during aviation history. And in 1953, um, you know, glycine started developing a watch that could tell time in two different time zones. Um, They did this with purely a 24 hour display. And the only time, the the only way that you could track that second time zone was with the bezel. Yeah, glycine or Rolex? Because you you said glycine. Glycine, no, you heard me right. (laughs) <laughs> okay, just making sure, man. That's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, so that was happening in 1953 at Glycine. Um, you know, there was a Glycine employee who is the one I was trying to look up before we started, uh, Samuel W. Glur. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I, w- I was really hoping you're going to be like, that employee's name? Albert <laughs> Einstein. I was really hoping you were going to do that. The old Reddit switcheroo. I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, Samuel, s- s- Samuel Glur, Glur the fourth. Sir, not- Sir Samuel uh so he was he was in um he was in contact with some dc4 pilots apparently and uh he got some he got some feedback um and apparently wrote a letter to the owner of the glycine uh company at the time and said look look this is what pilots want they don't want to interrupt the the um the second hand at all they just want to be able to track another time zone and we have to do it in a really simple way, and that's just a 24-hour layout with a 24-hour bezel. And so cool. That was the first glycine in 1953, and they've See, never stopped. They've never stopped making it. I don't know what's happening now. They have versions of it, <laughs> but they've never stopped. Um, I love that because it's someone who's in direct contact with people who would benefit from this thing the most. They said what they needed and he basically said this is what we have to do yeah. i'm trying to think right now of a product like that that would exist these days and the only thing i can come up with is like stupid like SaaS products and shit like that but i'm trying to think of like an actual thing you can hold in your hand that's yeah. that's i don't know i can't think of anything like that that's so killer though yeah and it's amazing to see that this was happening um <clears throat> in the early 50s i mean this is this is a time when we had, um, you know, Lockheed super constellations in the sky and air travel was very romantic. It was luxurious. It was futuristic. It was enticing. You could smoke in the air. You could smoke yeah. On yeah. I mean, um, it was, it was different <laughs> back then. And right. some, some people will, will refer to it as some kind of golden age in aviation. Um, but it was happening with watches too. So that was 1953 and in 1954, actually Basel World 1954, Rolex unveiled the reference 6542, which they produced 
in collaboration with Pan Am. Um, Interesting. So, um, first the Glycine Airman, then the first GMT Master. And at that same Basel World Fair, um, Glycine introduced a black dial version of the Glycine Airman, which was to be marketed to professional aviators and also, you know, just regular consumers. I don't really think it caught on <laughs> because, uh, you know, I would have liked to, I, I wish I could have been there, Basel World 1954, compare the Glycine <laughs> booth to the Rolex booth. <laughs> well, so just, just to clarify, did Glycine have the idea or pursue the idea aggressively as a, of a GMT watch first? I don't think they were very aggressive. I think they were more concerned with just building a tool for pilots. But um, they did it before the GMT Master. Correct. Correct. But because okay. right out right out the gate, I mean, the GMT Master came out and the marketing was stronger and the collaboration with Pan American World Airways was right yeah. there from the beginning. So from a marketing standpoint, that's already more attractive than anything Glycine was doing, like, you know. It's just funny because in retrospect, that marketing's effect on us these days is that Rolex did it first. Yeah. Which isn't yeah. necessarily the case. They just they just told everyone about it better. It's it's a little hazy when you look at the early fifties. I can't really say when actual development on the GMT Master oh, okay. started. Um from my understanding, the GMT Master is actually a descendant of another watch called the Rolex Turnograph. Um, but I don't know much about the Turnograph. Turnograph uh, sounds like a car override that could kill you. <laughs> yeah, kind right? of. Yeah. <laughs> Not a very popular model, anyways. But um, you know, who's who's to say who started first? Um, but really, Rolex had the stronger case, and this watch was actually a four-handed movement. Um, and just just the way the marketing happened and the way everything panned out, the GMT Master went on to um, sort of rule commercial aviation, while yeah. the Glycine Airman took care of the military sector. So eventually later variants of this Glycine Airman uh, became popular with, you know, Air Force pilots. And uh, I think mostly during during the Vietnam War, um, I'd, I'd have to check, but that's that's what most people say. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. Um, and ever since then, uh, We've had a ton of different variations of of the GMT Master, um, and shortly after the introduction, um, Pan American World Airways became the debut customer of the Boeing seven hundred seven, which is like that was the rock star <laughs> jet airliner that really embodied international air travel at the time. So you right. had. You had the Pan Am pilots with the GMT Masters on their wrist, piloting the Boeing 707. It was like when we were in high school, the kid with the Gibson Les Paul and the Mesa Boogie dual rectifiers was it, right? That's that's exactly it. That's, that's the exactly only that's it. the only analogy I can think of. <laughs> and you know that was such a strong case for the GMT Master early on that it was just I mean history was sealed at that point because Pan Am at the time was. I mean, the the routes that they were flying, nobody else was doing them. Uh, their fleet was unmatched. Um, and, you know, flying those big old 707s, those things are still in the air. And, uh, um, you know, really? they were just, yeah, they were just solid aircraft. Actually, 
until last year, John Travolta had one. <laughs> well, I don't care if John Travolta has one, but if I go on like an airline, like a regular commercial airline, and I pay way too much for a plane ticket, and they fly me in a plane, what are the chances that it was a plane that was made 70 years ago? Well, I, sh- I should clarify. They're still in operation uh, in their military variants. So the 707 oh, was okay. used... Not in the military, as, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, the 707 was used as a base design for... Uh, like the, what is it? The AWACS uh, aircraft that you see flying. They're they're the planes with the big old disc up top. Sure, I'm sure, sure, you've sure. Seen sure. Before. Um, so when I say they're still in operation, I mean different variants of the seven hundred seven. Gotcha. That makes total sense. But we're getting really really nerdy into airplanes right now. <laughs> Sorry, because well, we're talking about GMTs. <laughs> they go hand in hand, in my opinion. You know yeah. what I mean. So, yeah. so um, Rolex did it. They leveraged the relationship with, with you know, Pan Am and Pan Am doing everything. So Rolex, Pan Am, all that stuff really, really sealed the deal and kind of making that watch, the GMT Master, synonymous with the idea of you know, a, a GMT watch. Were there any sort of, I love um, underdog stories that fail. Do you know if there were any other GMT watches that tried to sort of like capture that same sort of, um, that, that tried to compete with the GMT Master and then basically just failed? Or anything that's notable in the history? I mean, next we have. To the GMT Master, you know? We actually have a lot of, um, I'd call them dead designs at this point because they died and they were not resurrected ever. Uh, okay. Zodiac, for example, I think they call it the Zodiac Aerospace. I don't know when it happened, but it was it's a pretty cool little GMT um, watch from Zodiac, and they've never reissued it. They totally can. It's in the same like skin diver dive style case, right? Uh, with a cool like blue and black um, twenty four hour bezel. Um, you also have the Bulova Astronaut, which is a twenty four hour. Um, dual time watch with their tuning fork movement that one's pretty cool some of the sr-71 pilots used to um do test flights with those so that one has a really strong connection to aviation history as well so i mean i wouldn't say that those designs failed i would say that the brands failed completely overall you know they were just that's they were quartz crisis casualties. <laughs> yeah, that's such an interesting designation, like, 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 like clarification. It wasn't necessarily a failing of the watch. It was just the reality of trying to do something during the quartz crisis, which was yeah. brand, a brand issue, you know? Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's also important to realize why people were so concerned with tracking two different time zones. You can certainly use it to keep track of where you are and also the time at home. But some pilots apparently <clears throat> like to use it to keep track of UTC time, which is universal uh, coordinated time. Okay. It's basically, um, I mean, people call it Zulu time. In aviation, it's usually referred to as Zulu time. Okay. Um, and that's basically the uh, time at which global aviation operations are synced with um so, so it's easier for them to operate if they just have some sort of reading for zulu utc time at all correct times of day. correct everybody is looking at the same clock at the same time whether it's during the flight planning stage 
or in flight um, from the moment you push back, taxi, mm-hmm. takeoff, you know, to the point you're back at your gate and getting your bags, everything is, uh, you know, UTC. So I don't think it's very useful these days because, you know, with the advent of something like a glass cockpit, <laughs> you know, that has all these fancy bells and whistles and clocks, <laughs> right? Um, you don't really need to use your watch to track that, but I guess it is. If you're well, tr- if if you're at an gonna... AD and you're trying to sell a pilot a GMT watch, you can tell them that, you know, they can track UTC time, but it's not really necessary these days. You well, if I was if I was in an AD or boutique and I was trying to sell someone a, a like a pilot a GMT watch, I would try and use the angle of its um to touchstone to aviation past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, because the thing, well, my my question is, obviously, like you just said. A pilot does not necessarily need like a GMT complication watch. They have all their instruments. They have everything they need in the cockpit. I mean, are pilots still buying these things? Like, or or do they are they all just wearing what I suspect they're all wearing? Citizen Nighthawks. Look, you know what I mean. I don't care whatever what anyone tells me. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't talk about it much, but I I've worked with a lot of pilots in the past. One of those pilots, like. 100% flew missions with John McCain. Okay. <laughs> and he was a very scary individual and got <laughs> got in my face a ton of times. Um that was scary. And he wore he wore a citizen. I think it was some some kind of blue angels thing. Hell yeah. Um you know, most of the pilots that I've interacted with are just either citizen guys or citizen gals. Um, there you they, go. They love citizen. I don't know I don't know how citizen got such a a grasp in in that area of marketing to pilots but they really they rule that segment right now Dude, i mean besides I'll, that people some of them do bell and ross i guess they fall into that also breitling maybe not right. so much anymore well but mostly I, I think the citizen nighthawk or the, the blue angels of nighthawk or, or whatever the fuck it is that that citizens watch i think that really became popular because it's just affordable if you go and google and you type in pilot watch or some shit like that it's like 200 bucks dude look man if you're two or three hundred bucks i think (laughs) if you're if you're flying the ship box and and doing circles in the air with you know flight students that are trying to kill you um and they're puking into their polos you're not exactly you're not exactly on the salary where you can go out and buy a gmt master you're you're, (laughs) you know (laughs) by the way those flight students will kill you. Um, <laughs> if you're thinking about being a flight instructor, uh, know that they will always try to kill you. You're um, signing your own death wish, death yeah. warrants, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> so, um, so practically, these things aren't important anymore, right? They aren't. I, I mean, back why are when, we fascinated with them? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So back, maybe back when you were filing your flight plan on paper, and you had to, you know look at utc quickly to get your times right mm-hmm. um i mean but you do that on the ipad these days and just, i was gonna say there's literally i'm pretty sure an iphone app to do all of that now. The, the ipad has revolutionized um just private flying 100 really <laughs> whether it's whether it's uh, airport diagrams or filing your flight plan um or just you know charts and and um stuff like that it, you, you really there's a ton of stuff you just don't need anymore. Um, Interesting. Including a watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
but we are we are fascinated by it there is romanticism behind it um do you think that's it do you think it's the romanticism behind the gmt which makes it so popular because obviously a lot of brands are still making it they're still trying to push them on folks folks still really do love seeing gmt watches but here's the funny thing they like seeing the gmt hand if you saw them like a like a gmt bezel no one gives a shit it's the extra it's the hand you know what i mean yeah, well, and that's that's kind of, you know, I, I think that's why the glycine caught on with the military sector over mm-hmm. the GMT uh, master. Because, in essence, it was, there's a more basic design yeah. and probably a lot easier to produce. Um, huh. Perhaps even less prone to um, malfunctioning, I'd say. But who knows? Uh, that GMT hand, though, is is kind of a big selling point these days, right? We like to see complication. We like to see four hands spread across the dial, you know, it's at one so, time. It's so dumb. I don't know how or why that affects, like, the psyche, but it's just, like, maybe people think they're getting more watch for their money. Four hands is more than three hands. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear that sometimes. I, I, I hear people say, like, oh, $10,000 for a three-hand watch. What? Like, why are you counting hands? Just look at the ten thousand dollar part. Um, That's awesome. It's about what you use it for. Um, you know, I I'd be lying if I said I wasn't drawn to that kind of romanticism. Right. Um, I mean, that's part of the reason I have this glycine right now. So, you know, I think it's it's popular with people that can get really into aviation history and the the role that watches played um in kind of the evolution of air travel so i hear that yeah yeah but there's a lot to choose from these days and i would still probably go for one of those citizen nighthawks they're really cool aren't they i yeah. i i see them on our feed every now and then a, a, a bunch of listeners have one and um i see it and i'm like man i think it's so cool just because they're so cheap um and i've never seen um a secondary time zone display laid out like that those two little airplanes like flying around that's oh, really cool. shit <laughs> that's super cool yeah. what do you what do you think of the whole quartz um quartz first like mechanical thing some people are like because the um, the unfortunate thing is that that quartz like mechanical snobbery kind of bleeds into this also i i i i don't think i have any quartz gmt movements but I'm obsessed with quartz chronographs. I would love to get a quartz GMT movement someday. Like, do, does that sort of affect the romanticism in in your mind? Actually, no. I mean, the times. So, that, take Breitling for example. The times that I have seen pilots wearing Breitling, mm-hmm. it's an aerospace, and it's not. It's not the aerospace with the, I don't know, with the personal locator beacon that tells you when you're gonna die. Yeah. And, <laughs> The, 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 the seventy five hundred, you the know, Breitling emergency. Um, but yeah, I think it's called the emergency. I think so. <laughs> but the times I've seen pilots with with Breitlings, it's like it's just an old beat up aerospace. Um, Harrison Ford is a great example. He's, you know, he's an aviator. He's more into flying these vintage airplanes, which are constantly exploding, and that's why he <laughs> crash landed in a golf course. I a remember few years that. <laughs> Man, whoever's signing that. off on his physical every year, I, I don't know, man. Doc, he, we he, gotta have we, we gotta have a talk. All right, 
he, he the guy landed on a taxiway like two years ago so uh i remember when he landed in that in that golf course he was <laughs> he was flying this is when we still were together down in miami he was flying what it was like a what was it like a world war ii plane or something what was he flying a tissue box it, it was basically a tissue box. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a military plane, but it was. It was kind of a, a light sport collectible vintage plane. Um, I don't know this, the model now. This phrase has never been more relevant, Mr. Ford. It belongs in the museum. Okay, <laughs> Correct. doesn't belong in the sky. <laughs> and he he didn't land. He. I mean, well, he won. It was a one hundred percent Indiana Jones crash landing, <laughs> dude fly yes land no yeah yeah not far from the temple of doom you know raft landing that they did oh that's um, incredible but he uh, he's got he's got a brightling aerospace um maybe a few others and i think those are just really cool mm-hmm. you know uh, i think those are just as romantic you know i've personally hunted for them before but it's you know there's there's very little guidance when you look at the when you look at the aerospace. There's so many different models. Yeah. There's not a comprehensive guide out there to really tell you what you're getting into. They made well, so many versions. To, that's where you're supposed to walk into your local boutiques. So they can sell you the most the most up to date version. Oh god. The up to date ones are so expensive. They're like ten grand over. Yeah. No. I'd rather put that in my student loans or groceries. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um. But to answer your question, no, I, I think there are some quartz or I guess they call it super quartz or whatever the hell thermocompensated thing Breitling calls it today. I think they're just as cool as something like an old GMT Master or a, or a Glycine. I mean, the GMT Master right now to me is actually almost like the least attractive one. Well, because you know what's funny? We've been spending this whole episode talking about the, the history of the complication, early days, middle days, sort of where it stands now, functionality, how pilots view the thing. It is very much, in my opinion, a tool complication. The GMT Master, as it's currently positioned now, is a jewelry piece. You know what I mean? In my opinion, because it's very, I, I don't necessarily see it. I, I don't necessarily see it as a, as a function piece anymore. I kind of just see it as sort of like um. Uh, like like an ironic sort of like fashionable design take on the watch that has this complication that has history. Uh, I know that sounds really derogatory the way I'm saying it, but I'm, I'm not very good at articulating myself, but that's just my opinion. And people talk about this all the time, the divide between Rolex in regards to what they're doing. Is it like a jewelry piece or is it still the functionality piece, blah, blah, blah. But like, what, what, what do you think in regards to that? Well, believe me, if you're flying the long hauls for FedEx, you know, in the uh what the hell do they fly the md11 i think Bruce Moose. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're one of the long haul guys for fedex and you're raking in that radiologist salary the um <laughs> the the gmt master is not going to let you down uh it's still a perfectly capable tool oh sure yeah yeah it, it still functions great <laughs> yeah right? but i mean it's different today. It is. It's a little more glitzy. Um, you know those polished center, center links. I just, I have a hard time getting behind them. And these days, I mean, there are there are whispers now that <laughs> that Rolex is kind of artificially creating this 
sort of scarcity with their stainless steel models. And I just, I don't even find the idea of shopping for a GMT master all that attractive anymore. Because even if I did want to drop the money, it's like, I don't know, today I have to walk in and say that I want to get on a waiting list um, or buy like four Submariners before being eligible to get a call back about a GMT master, you know? It's just not the same buying experience. Right. The last really, really cool GMT Master, I think, was the 16710. And those just those just broke, <clears throat> I don't know, 10K, you know, used. <laughs> uh, it's the last aluminum bezel GMT Master, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that's a lot of money for a vintage watch that feels like it was made out of a soup can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, modern Rolex is really cool. It feels really good. It's that bank vault quality that that we yeah. know. Um, How does your glycine feel in the hand? Does it feel solid? Does it feel like, or does it have, does it have kind of that like vintage watch sort of feel? Um, sort of similar to the Vostok. New watch still feels like a vintage watch. It's a new watch that feels like a new watch that looks like an old watch. <laughs> nice. I'm a, um, I'm a dude to, playing another dude pretending to be another dude. <laughs> Exactly. So I like, you know, just a hundred percent like the Doxa with, um, with really nice modern improvements. Um, you know, not so much in the construction, but in function with the the GMT complication. We're talking about like the GMT watch and everything like that. This is something that I've, I've noticed. One of the odd things about modern collecting niches, like the sort of not always articulated culture around collecting is that if you're a collector your goal is to get to the most purest essence of that thing within your collecting niche you know what i mean like the most the most pure form of chronograph or pure form of dive watch blah blah blah, all this stuff like that for some reason i've always had the sense that people think the purest form of the gmt is that gmt master but just in us talking i really don't get that sense anymore you know what i mean I would say, I would say so. I, I mean, you know, something like an early 1675 um, GMT Master or something like an early uh, Glycine Airman. Yes, it's it's a pretty pure form of a GMT watch. Well, you know, how expensive down- are those watches? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, if you have to pause before you tell me the price, that's not like a, in my opinion, that's not like in the real collecting realm for the majority of for the majority of folk. You no, know I mean? no, abs- <laughs> absolutely not. I, I mean, I, it's Christmas. I just got two hundred dollars in gift cards. I'm going to buy a watch. That's the type of collector I'm talking about. The purest form of a GMT watch is a is a watch that functions like a GMT watch. <laughs> there, you there, there, there you go. There you go. That's a, that's that's why that's why I love the Nighthawk so much. Um, Hell yeah! I should buy one for my dad. I should get it, matching Nighthawks. Oh, that's <laughs> so. And then you guys to go fight crime. <laughs> fight crime, right? Uh, I'm in. I'm in. I'll be um. I'll be your 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 bubbling sort of like tech guy. That's really bad at tech. <laughs> you tell me to hack the mainframe. I'll be in the van with the matrix screen. I'll just be tapping on the keyboard. Man, you know I feel I mean? like I had to hack the mainframe before starting the show. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. You were doing the optometrist. Am I better now or now? Now or now? I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're doing over there. <laughs> uh, camera one, camera two, bro. You know what I mean? But that's pretty interesting. So you, you, 
We open with the wrist check. I'm wearing a GMT. You're wearing a GMT. Both our GMTs are quite different in my opinion. We talked about the history of this watch. We've gone over really, really comprehensive history. We talked a little bit about like modern perspectives on the GMT. Um, talked a little bit about you know affordable GMTs and that in the form of that Nighthawk. So my question to you, directly to you, the direct question to you, um, are you done buying GMTs? Because what this purchase represents is not just a watch. The Glycine, I mean, the purchase of a Glycine doesn't just represent you getting a watch you've been lusting after. It's you getting a very important GMT you've been lusting after. I'm not done buying GMTs. Yeah, you're in <laughs> here, folks. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to explore the um, some of the Citizen Ranges for sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, just because they're, they're so much fun. I, I remember, you know, there's... There's like a dumbed down version of ground school that I had to do um, a while back. And uh, I remember I had a pilot in my class and he he had the Citizen Navihawk. And he was so goddamn proud of that thing. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And I think, I think we might have even used the slide rule to uh to cheat on some test questions yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe uh, maybe the only person that's really used uh that function said it before i'll say it again lowest tech is best tech (laughs) so maybe maybe something from the citizen range um i'm most fascinated by those um solar gmt patties and the sago line you know what i mean yeah they're just so damn big they do seem quite large, but as we've talked about before, Seiko watches, they look large, but when you have them on the wrist, everything feels right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I've I, but I've actually tried that watch on it. Oh, it you just, have? It was a bonkers? Yeah, yeah it, has, it has never felt right. <laughs> oh, that's so that's such a shame. I hear that, though. I definitely, I yeah. definitely, definitely hear that. Yeah. I would love to find one of those Bulova astronauts, but they're very different. It, it's, it's almost like the same situation with the glycine. Um... There are a handful of people that can service them. There are a lot of things to take into consideration when you're servicing the, the tuning fork movement. There are parts that are weird. Most of them are frankened. Um, you don't really know which dial slash bezel combo is right. Uh, it's it's a mess. It's work. That's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, un, unlike this glycine, um, where I could just bitch about not finding a modern one, um, those Bulova astronauts, you really would have to go vintage. Wow. Um, unless Bulova reissues it, and if they do, they'll make it 46 millimeters for some reason um, <laughs> and ruin my day. But, yeah. I believe the phrase is pissing in your Cheerios. <laughs> pissing in my Cheerios, <laughs> farting in my stew. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's so cool, man. So... If you're comfortable, related topic shifting into a new topic. Is that cool? Of course. Are you bringing the glycine to Hong Kong? I can see that. I think yeah, that would, why not? I, th- I think that would be quite fucking romantic, right? Why not? Yeah. For the uh, the guy that had this previously, he took it to, to Basel World one year, I think, from what I understand. So well, now that watch is going to... Yeah, that, that, that watch is going to Hong Kong now, dude. <laughs> if it worked for him there, it can work for, for me there. Um, Speaking yeah, of Hong not? Kong, huge thank you to everyone who, you know, we talked about this a while back, you know, should we go to Hong Kong to cover the Hong Kong Watch and Clock Exhibition Fair, whatever the hell it's called? Um, basically, everyone said yes. A few folks were trepidatious for super logical reasons, but at the end of the day, Michael and I kind of made the aggressive business decision to be like, you know what? We're not going to get this opportunity a lot. 
the stars have kind of aligned. We're doing it. So we announced last week we're going to Hong Kong. Um, Michael and I right now are like crunching numbers. We're gonna actually by the time you hear this, we'll have our tickets. Super annoyed because like the price of plane tickets went up like over the course of a day, which was extremely annoying to me. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. You know. So just huge thank you to everyone that supported the decision. Huge thank you to everyone that's offered information specifically on this episode. I just want to do a shout out to. I'm gonna fuck this up. I'm gonna fuck this up, dude. Subby Frank, Subby Frank. Listen, if anyone's ever DM'd me, can you just phonetically type out your name before you, like, start talking? So, so Subi? What do you think, Michael? <laughs> Subby Frank or Subi Frank? I'm thinking Subby just because of the Rolex. Yeah, Subby. I think Subby s- works. It feels a little bit dirty because it kind of feels like chubby. No, no. But not like not like girth chubby, like 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 groin chubby. Does that make sense? Just like, just like girth chubby. Just... That's I what guess, I want to know. I guess, I guess both both are technically growing chubbies. That that new Tudor Black Bay GMT is a girth chubby. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to try that one on. Huge shout out to Subby Frank. Um, offered a lot of incredible information in regards to just, you know, um, sites, um, events, locations, all this really incredibly useful information for Hong Kong. Shout out to you, dude. Check out his feed. Really, really cool, fun stuff. Um and keep an eye out for just us talking about what we're going to be doing over there. Michael and I are trying to figure out an itinerary right now that makes sense. We want to do the uh, uh, we want to cover the exhibition fair. That's going to be the majority of it. We want to cover not even cover just visit and show you guys the experience of what it's like just going to boutiques. You know what I mean? Um, I want to buy the fakest Rolex possible there, and I want to catalog as much of it as I can. But my understanding is that it's 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 very not legal to sell those things over there so i've been told that they won't like me filming so i may have to get those like those like casting couch porn hidden camera glasses you know what i mean you know what i mean oh excuse me excuse me uh you just like really just like just like give everyone a very clear vision of of what i'm experiencing in the process of purchasing a watch um a fake i just i just pictured establishing a youtube channel in the style of uh casting couch watch reviews oh my god oh my god dude oh oh yes yes i don't know how it would work we have to find some way to make that happen oh man only with watches we're not talking about dirty stuff just oh no guys this is a family show watches all right (laughs) this is a family show don't listen with your kids um, just watches, but yeah, so keep an eye, we're talking about our itinerary, um, uh, the huge facet of it covering the actual exhibition fair, I think that's gonna be really, really cool, um, also just exploring Hong Kong, you know, watch consumer culture, uh, stores, boutiques, whatever the fuck, and also just traveling there in general, I think you guys have got a really, really big hoot about Michael, uh, just seeing Michael and I in the same room, experiencing a country, in a, a, a city we've never been to, I think it'll be hilarious, right? I just want to find a lot of drugs. I'm pretty sure that'll be very easy. I think it's actually <laughs> easier to buy drugs than fake Rolexes over there. I'm kidding. I'm I don't kidding, know. Guys. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> See, Michael, this is why my, I don't tell my family about the show. Because if if, <laughs> if my family listened to the show, I would be bombarded with texts. You're doing drugs? Like, yeah, I'm doing drugs. Dad, constantly. I'm joking, Dad. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Mr. Michael's dad, super joking. Your son is, your son is awesome. <laughs> Dude, dude knows where dude knows where it's at. So yeah, again, huge shout out to to Subby Frank. Huge shout out to everyone that supported this decision. Um, keep an eye out for our itinerary, the things that we're gonna be talking about. If you guys are familiar with the area, and if there is something you think that we would um, 
that would be valuable for people to see us explore and cover, definitely let us know what's up. Super open to hearing about that. Um, do I have time for one more shout-out, Michael? Of course. Special shout-out. It's always a privilege for me when I get to hang out with listeners of the of the show. Um, doesn't happen very often because I live I live in like an area where people only come to like visit, and if they're here, they're usually with their families. You know what I mean? And if you're with yeah. your family, you don't want to see me. I, and I totally understand. You know? <laughs> so huge shout out to to uh, Ranch Racer. Um, I feel like we talked about him on the show. Uh, he was here in town. We hung out. He's tuned in for the show for a long time. If that name sounds familiar, we might have talked about it on the show, but he also does a podcast with his wife, um, Perpetual Girl. They do a podcast called Love and Watches. It's actually really, really cool. It's pertinent to... An episode we dedicated on the topic, and just some, just every now and then the topic will come up, but it's the idea of, of, um, watch collecting, <clears throat> not necessarily just as a man or as a woman, but how brands sort of target products in a way that's not necessarily <clears throat> maybe the most conducive to equal collecting, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It does. Really, really fun stuff. Um, they have great dynamic. They have great like a uh, uh, husband-wife dynamic. So it's really a pleasure to tune into. Um, they're at the time of this recording. They're they're five episodes in. So uh, definitely check it out. And huge mad mad props to Ranch Racer because he put up with me literally getting drunk in front of him and talking about God knows what. Touching um, tips. Touching tips. Touching tips in the Animal Kingdom Lodge buffet <laughs> called Boma, which is where we had where we had my bachelor party of two. Oh, that's a fantastic. That's, uh, that's I love that place. place. I love that place. I think that's... I ate there like three times. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I was in Disney, it is easily my uh, one of my favorite places to eat. If you've never been, guys, it is. Uh, you don't even have to have a reservation for the hotel. You can just go to the restaurant. It's Boma. It's really really cool. It's a buffet. They are not sponsoring this episode, but they should. We should get some of that. Disney money, right, Michael? What do you think? Yeah, but you do need a reservation, or they will screw you. Well, well, you need a reservation for the restaurant. You don't have to be yes. staying in the hotel. It's like it's like eight hundred bucks a night, I think, to stay in that hotel. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice hotel. Um, it is. But yeah, so so props to Ranch Racer for watching me literally have two drinks and hitting three sheets to the wind. Like it was, it was, and Becky was there, so she can attest uh, to how drunk I quickly got. Um, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool hanging out with you, man. Um, definitely go and check out their show. It's really, really a lot of fun. It's always good to see another podcast that's out there that's interesting and that's trying to do something, you know, different. You know what I'm saying? So right. Um, let me see what else on my and we'll and we'll link on their we'll we'll link on the show and everything like that and we'll tag them in the in the show graphic for today. But um, yeah, I think that was it. Am I forgetting anything? I just found out something really douchey that's also aviation related because oh, okay. we were talking was, about J- so John scared. Travolta. I thought you were, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say you just found out I was brown and I was about to hang up and just move. <laughs> oh no, he found out. He knew. He knew. I thought he knew. But okay, what you find about John Travolta? I'm safe. I'm still white. I'm fine. I wish I was white. So according to the FAA registry, the tail number on the 707 that he donated recently is November 707 Juliet Tango. He has his initials in his tail number. Wow. <laughs> is, is that is that douchey? I don't know. Like, is there, what's the etiquette for tail numbers? Is it usually just random? I don't even know if you could pick them. I don't, if oh. any of you, 
if if any of you know how to register a commercial aircraft with the FAA, please let me know. I thought uh, I thought you were gonna say his tail number was boobs, but spelled that with numbers like on a calculator. <laughs> boobs. You, you remember that? Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Always. Every of time. Course. And that's how you broke into cal- a calculator. You typed out boobs or boobless. <laughs> boobless. <laughs> I guess it's just like getting a license plate. If you want to write boobs on your license plate, I guess you can do it when registering your tail number with the FAA. Okay. I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the process um, would be for like, have you seen that picture where he has like an airstrip in his house with the plane parked in his house? Is that real? Have you seen that? Yes. I think Harrison Ford has his own runway also. There there are a lot of private airstrips. It's a it's a big part of our national airspace systems. So. Where when are we gonna get our private airspace? I, I I don't know if you would want that. Um I, I enjoy there's a, there there are certain sounds you make and that sound I'm very familiar with. It was the mm, how do I not break his heart? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You can is, get yourself a, a dirt field. Is it is, is it hard? Well. Is it hard to maintain an airstrip? I imagine you just you have to shoot birds and that's it. Properly, um, you, you can you can actually you can just shoot birds and rabbits and and be about ninety percent done with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrible. I couldn't shoot a bird. <laughs> hey man, birds birds will fuck you up in the air. I guess that's true. Do you remember the MythBusters episode where they were testing like if like a like a was it like a like a chicken flying into the airplane or whatever? Like the propeller? No. No, but bird strikes are very real. <laughs> That's so intense, dude. <laughs> Every everybody's dying for the most part. Um if you if you're really? not close if you're not close to uh So if I'm if I'm if I'm a, if, if I'm a pilot, if I trick the system and somehow became a pilot and I'm flying an airplane with thousands of people or or, or twenty people, I have no idea. I don't know I I don't know how people go into an airplane, but I'm flying a big a big, a big phallic tube in the sky, and there's people in it. If one bird the size of a softball gets sucked into my jet turbine thing or whatever, we're dead. If I'm not near an airport, we're dead. Like if I'm over water, I might be exaggerating. It's actually very routine training. So, um, I mean, you want to make sure the whole Sully kind of accident, I was say, miracle on the Hudson that yeah. was <clears throat> slightly more complex. Um, but I would put the fault on the genius that decided to build three airports that close to one another. Um. We're looking at you, LaGuardia. <laughs> We're looking at you. What's it, LaGuardia, Newark, and uh, JFK? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it can be a bad situation, but it's typically routine, and you train for it when you're doing your, I think, your multi-engine. What kind of, um, what kind of watch does Sully wear? I feel like he wears a Hamilton. I feel like I might have looked that up at some point. I, I think I think a watch brand approached him after, and I may have seen some promotional materials. Sure. It was a it was a brand I've never heard I'm of. I'm sure some some. Let's blood. learn, let's learn together. Let's learn together. I'm sure some some bloodthirsty, ravenous money grabbing brand was just like, oh, let's get a watch on Sully. Wristwatch, wristwatch. Oops, there's somebody has searched for it. It looks like he just has a Rolex Datejust. Ah, yes. I don't know. Ah, ah, ah. Jean Richard. It's a Jean Richard. Oh, I know the brand. I mean, I don't know them like biblically, mm. but I know of the um of the of the brand. Interesting, weird brand. Yeah. But I feel like I've seen him with a Datejust, probably when he was doing those uh, late night show appearances, uh, which must have been very weird for him. I'm sure. <laughs> 
I'm sure. I'm sure. That's pretty. That's pretty intense, though. I, I, I. You know, it's funny. I had always just like recapping the episode. I always had like an. Uh, I thought I had an understanding of the relationship between like aviation and things like that, and and the GMT watch. But what I learned just from your explanation is I didn't realize how early on, like, marketing was in the mix too with like Pan Am and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they came out with a bang. Um, but that's what Rolex does so well, I feel. Or at least that that's what they did so well to be so recognizable now. There was always such good marketing direction. And I use the word good relative because it was effective. I, it was effective. Yeah, I mean, aside from, from being the golden age of aviation, it was also a golden age for advertising. Yeah. And then that's that's when we see those ads that we, you know, drool over and even collect sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah I think, you know, one of them was, you know, if you're flying the Concorde tomorrow, you're going to be wearing this watch. Um, that's so, so intense. <laughs> did it say Pan Am on the dial? No, no. There were some, there were some rare versions, like uh, some white dial Pepsi um, GMT Masters. But I don't. I don't think there were any co-branded um, GMT Masters with with Pan Am. Um, who has one? Gosh, he. So the astronaut, the astronaut that uh, the, he Tom was Hanks? commander. Well, basically, yes, Tom Hanks. He was the commander on, on Apollo thirteen. He has a GMT Master that is. Um, that has a custom dial. I just think it has his name and insignia on it. I could be wrong, that's but pretty, he does have badass. a custom dial. I think Rolex will do that for you if you were an Apollo astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> so so Braymont will hook you up if you were one of those what Martin Baker ejection seat guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh Rolex will hook you up if you were an Apollo astronaut. Yeah. His name escapes me now, but he has he has a, a GMT master with a custom dial. Um Chuck Yeager is another aviator with a GMT Master. He's got a Coke one. I think I think he made the Coke GMT Master famous, but uh his is not co-branded even though he broke the sound barrier. Right. No big deal. No, not a big deal, bro. <laughs> Whatever. Another day in the office. He's like 100 now. I don't think he knows what planet he's on. He's alive? Um, yes. I'm always amazed the people that are still alive. Yeah, all of the Mercury astronauts are dead. Uh Chuck Yeager's alive. Man, that's <laughs> so I, I I can't remember if I asked you this. You have the glycine, the the pain is the pain is done. When I got my Slava Medical, you know, I had the honeymoon phase. I still love the watch. It was such a huge milestone for me. But very very quickly, um, I have I was pursuing other quarries. Have you started doing that, or are you still basking in the glory of the glycine? Immediately after, you know, I think it has to do with the intensity of the hunt. Immediately after succeeding mm -hmm. in this hunt, I started dreaming about the next watch. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next watch, if you don't mind me asking? I'm still juggling right now. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking about getting something else that's uh, aviation-related, something along the lines of a traditional Flieger-style watch. Um, Laco? You're looking at Laco? Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about those before, uh, but they're so gosh darn big. Um, Are they really big? Yeah, they're they're big, and I, I think even the forty twos you have to be careful with, um, and they're so difficult to try on in person. You know, 
That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, well, next time you're in New York or Long Island, yeah. just visit Long Island. Watch. I'm sure. I'm sure Mark would happy uh, be happy to let you try one on. Right? Does Does he have a storefront? Uh, last time I talked to him, he I believe he gave me his card and he told me next time I was in Huntington, which is where he is, to contact him. And then I, I don't know if it's a storefront, but I think there's somewhere you can go. If I'm super he, wrong, I'm so sorry, guys. He walks up to you in a trench coat. Want to buy some watches? Want to buy some watches? Do his watch his watches <laughs> code for dong? You know, crassly, crassly speaking. But that's super cool, though, man. You know I'm I mean? happy. I'm. I'm actually. You know, I, I thought about another glycine. Actually, um, I was thinking about looking for one called the Base Twenty Two, which is similar to an earlier model that's a white dial. But I'm. I thought to myself, I never want to do another glycine airman eBay search ever again. <laughs> Just like with the Omega Speedmaster, I want that chapter to close. Right. I, ne- I I actually turned off the watch recon notifications, and I can sleep well tonight. Wow, I imagine that's 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 very similar to the uh, the the effect that Bilbo had passing on the unfinished book to Frodo. <laughs> exactly. That chapter's done. It's all on you. It's all on the next person who wants to search for the stupid thing. You know what I'm I mean? Tapped, I'm tapped out, man. There, I'm tapped out on the on the glycine. There and back again, Michael. I'm, I'm Michael Tail. You know, <laughs> that's super cool though. Yeah, I mean, I after my Slava medical. Um, the next watch that I was really aggressively looking for was a uh, really early generation amphibia with the um, with the swing lugs, the clip lugs that we talked about. I, I think I talked about that on the on the Vossack amphibia episode. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. Yeah, that's the one I've been looking at. But um, I'm also trying to figure out what I want to bring to Hong Kong. I think I'm going to bring my amphibia. I'm hesitant to bring my Slava medical because I've heard um, it's really humid. It rains a lot there, which is why I haven't been wearing my Slava medical a lot. Because it's fucking disgusting right now in Florida. It is so... Oh my god, I forgot to tell you, dude. It was so funny. So, um, uh, I hang out on, like, Disney property, and I, work, and I work a lot there with my laptop and everything like that. And um, I was walking around, and I was walking past this, this family's you know, dad, mom, and, you know, little girl. And it was very early in the morning, and the parents are just dragging the little girl along, you know, behind them. And the girl goes, uh, uh, I want to go back to the room. And the mom's like, why? We're in Disney. And the girl's like, oh, but it's so hot. And the mom's like, sweetie, it's supposed to rain today. And when it rains, it'll it'll cool everything down. <sighs> Lady, I don't know what part of the country you're from. <laughs> <laughs> but in Florida, that is not how rain works. <laughs> it's going to fall out of the sky hot. It's going to hit the ground hot. And it'll be so hot that it'll immediately start evaporating and it'll return aerosol moisture into the air and just create thick, humid soup that'll fill your lungs and you'll wish you were dead or you wish you'd stayed in your room. You know what I everything, mean? Everything smells like boiled alligator meat. Everything smells like mulch and dog. <laughs> wet mulch and dog. That's been my assessment. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh. it's, so that's why I don't wear my Slava Medical outside right now. So, um... So I'm hesitant to bring that to Hong Kong because I told it's because I was told it's, it's humid there um, as well. But I want to bring my Vostok. Um, I'm gonna bring the Christmas Chrono. Um, I'm gonna bring the Radio Time Orient um, just so I can sync it up to a satellite in the airport um, or in Chicago, which is where I think my connecting flight will be. Um, let me think. What else? I think I might bring the Sumo. What do you think, Sumo or Samurai or both? I don't want to bring five watches. That's too many watches. I just do the Sumo. Yeah. Yeah, Sumo's where badass. It's, Sumo's where it's at, man. Oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm rambling. I'm looking at the time right now. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, just in terms of uh, should, should I like just do like a really weird general recap of the show? I mean, I kind of, we kind of already have, but I have to, I just I have to do it out of habit. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to just to recap, um, really, really, just excellent discussion in my opinion on this. The, the just the history of the GMT is just so cool. Just to learn, you know, the beginnings, the middles, where it is now. Also, really, just fun to explore what our fascination is with the GMT watch. You know what I mean? I'm also really happy, selfishly, to wear my Squally on air. I feel like it's been a while since I've worn this thing on air. Um, had it on the feed, I think, last week uh, as well. So I want to try and work into rotation more. Um, huge props, Mike, for you getting the glycine, finally. You know what yep. I mean? No one, no, one, no one can take that away from you now. The only, the, only, the only person that could ruin that watch now for you is you if you somehow decide for some reason to sell it. All right. Not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And if it does, I, sw- I swear, I swear to God, Michael, I will lose my mind. <laughs> I will just lose my mind. <laughs> uh, going to Hong Kong again. Huge shout out to Subby Frank. Really, really incredible, useful information. Huge shout out to um, Ranch Racer and Perpetual Girl and their really cool uh, podcast, Love and Watches. Husband wife team. Really fun dynamics. Really, really fun topics. Really good perspectives on neurology and watch collecting that you probably really wouldn't get anywhere else. Because we try talking about similar topics like that, but you know, Michael and my perspective is you know two foul mouth dudes. You know what I mean? Two two foul mouth thirty somethings that play guitar. <laughs> wicked wicked ass of guitar. That's really, I have to stop doing my Massachusetts quote unquote Massachusetts accent in front of in front of my wife who's from Massachusetts. It does nothing but enrage her whenever I try and do. <laughs> My Massachusetts accent in front of her. <laughs> I've also been told it's a Maine accent that I do, so I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 in my head, it sounds like 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 Marky Mark, but this is not how I guess the rest of the world hears it, which is fine. I shouldn't do accents anyway. Um, but yeah. So uh, little recap. Looking at my list here. Um, again, talking about Hong Kong. That trip was really only possible um, through the uh, uh, Patreon contributors. Um, if you're at all interested in, uh, in contributing to the show, go and check out our Patreon page. There's really fun information there. There's also episodes there. They are free. You don't have to um, uh, contribute to listen to them. They're just there for you guys to enjoy. It's sort of like a second segment of the Tube of Watch Knobs podcast. Um, in addition to that, if you are interested in the show but you don't necessarily want to put down money, we mentioned this last week, Michael and I have started leveraging um, Amazon affiliate links. If you're not familiar with that, basically an Amazon affiliate link is all you have to do is just do the normal Amazon shopping you do. If you just do it through our link, Amazon basically pays us essentially like a finder's fee. It doesn't charge you anything extra. You don't have to do anything extra. And it's as simple as just shopping on Amazon. So, and the only reason we did that is because people, a lot of people asked us to. And so, I, I, and we researched it and it made sense. So um, that's just become part of the process now. So it's still something that I'm, I'm learning about, but I'm, I'm really happy I was able to facilitate that kind of avenue for folks who, who a lot of folks who were asking for that as a way to contribute to the show. Um, in addition to that, really interested to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on this week's episode. Um, is there an aspect of GMT history that we glossed over? You want us to talk about more? Or you just want to have a conversation on more? Um, either, hold on, my cat's attacking me. Mm, good timing, cat. Uh, <laughs> you can leave us a comment on the Instagram or you can go on the website and leave a comment there. I'm really, really excited to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions. If you don't have a GMT watch, what what is there one that you do want or here actually here's a more pertinent question i have not met a person that said they don't want a gmt watch or that they hate gmt watches if you hate the gmt complication or at least just don't find aesthetically pleasing totally let us know what's up i would love to have a conversation about that i think that'd be super valuable you know what i mean yeah i think I and think, 
And if I said something wrong about GMT watch history or anything related to some of the aviation specifics, um, call me an idiot and shame me. No, no one shame Michael. Everyone direct your shame <laughs> towards me. It's easier. It's easier this way. All right. Mike- <laughs> uh, no, we, I, we have a few, we have a couple pilots. Um, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Listen to the show. So Very I'd be interested to, to hear from them. Um, see what they think. Um, and if I'm wrong about anything, let me know. I will say from perspective, from my perspective, everything you said sounded right and it sounded really good. <laughs> it's part of our job, right, Kaz? We're supposed to make it sound like we know what we're talking about. I mean, I think that's that's my job. Anytime, anytime I have to say something that's like relevant to some sort of fact, I immediately panic because I'm like, mm, am I completely forgetting something? really relevant here or am i just misinterpreting something so i don't know but no, i think you're good i think everything you said was on point really really incredible value information i mean i know i learned a lot so really just to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions on the show um this topic was also really really cool because it was suggested by folks who saw you post actually it was suggested by folks who saw you post the glycine photo and who saw me post this the photo of this of the squale squalu yep. you know what i'm saying so love love that stuff love that stuff because we had something else planned for this week but then we saw all those comments come in we're like you know what let's change gears Let's do it. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. But um, but yeah, looking forward to hearing from everyone. Uh, huge congratulations to the notice winner who we will officially announce uh, soon. I'm looking at the date. Yeah, uh, by the time this recording, we haven't chosen the winner, but the time you're hearing this, the winner will have been chosen. Um, keep an eye out for just more really fun giveaways. There's more stuff that we're working on, and um, yeah, I think that's it. I don't want to go because as soon as I have, as soon as I, I hang up with you, Michael, I have to go do dishes, and I'd rather eat my fucking face. Then wash another dish ever again. So that's why I'm. That's why I'm. I'm, I'm gilding the lily here, as they as they say. <laughs> you just you just put all your dishes in the machine. You don't even read the directions, do you? No. I, and I get in trouble when I do that. Yeah. yeah there's some things. I, I mean, I, we have a nice knife um, that we don't put in the dishwasher. You shouldn't put knives in the dishwasher. Well, you put the, uh, you put your Disney mugs in the dishwasher. Those are dishwasher safe. No, they're not, dude. Read the bottom. Okay, I'll read it. <laughs> I have to hand wash every mother, every every mother flipping Disney mug I have in this house, and we have a metric fuck ton because we have we have more Disney mugs than people I will ever meet to possibly facilitate with the Disney mug. That's how many goddamn Disney mugs we have in this house, and and I have to hand wash every single one of them. <sighs> Not looking forward to it, but um, but okay, is that it? You think we're good? Yeah, you've been listening to Two Broke Mug Snobs. <laughs> I can I can say bye now. <laughs> oh no! Oh, is, 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 is it my turn to say bye? I can start. Okay, yeah, go usual. Go for it. I'll jump in. <laughs> two, it was in the two broke mug snubs. That's awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike. This is Kaz. You have been you you know you have been listening to broke mug snobs. We'll see you guys next week.